yeah, like I was saying, I would say top three cities I've been to would be Istanbul, London, and now here in Buenos Aires. I think for ye, obviously, how like you're more way to client wise towards the UK. I think the time zone could kind of would annoy you a wee bit more just because you'd be minus three from where you already are. But because we're more US heavy, it kind of like you're still two hours ahead. Yeah, east coast of the US, so it, it kind of it works really nicely there. But but um, nice. have you got a sort of roll into that, mate? Like, what's been you know what's been going on with you guys in in 2023 you had a big year across many different fronts i think actually before we before you nearly have to have to go into that i think a brief background is nearly in order because i don't think people don't realize the that you were the mega genius pulling the strings in a couple of different ventures here that they would that they would know yeah. about on the agency yeah. side on the brand side on even the, the 3pl fulfillment center side or even even on their bus as was a bit of background for 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 people on how you nearly got to where you are today would be very much in order <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, where to even start on that question? Um, I guess starting with the main venture that I saw with us was um, started an agency about four years ago now, a DTC specific growth agency called Saw With Us, servicing about 70 clients, 60 to 70 clients, somewhere in that um, range. Um, been building that for four years with Joe, co-founder. Um, alongside that, got For You Advertising, which is a TikTok-specific growth agency, UGC, TikTok growth, paid ads. Again, D2C-specific, um, but different clientele, different uh, offering. And then involved in Jack Group with Connor, who was on, I mean, I mean, any regular listeners? I think he was on a couple of episodes before, wasn't he? um growing the essence vault mm-hmm. and then we've actually now got four brands live in that group so three and the essence vault with one more launching this year um and they're all starting to turn towards looking very positive from like a profitability standpoint so looking to grow that aggressively through 2024 but yeah it was a good last year was a big year on all fronts i think all three businesses um in terms of growth and progression I think very much for anyone listening to this who is generally into e-com in any way or like runs an agency, would highly recommend following Ollie as well, just for some of the some of the stuff that he'd be he'd be posting on all the platforms on like Twitter and LinkedIn primarily. But yeah, I'm 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 interested there, man, in terms of how like the the, the year went as well. So like you've 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 documented before like how how sore with us has has kind of grown, and it's been it's been uh, you know obviously you're potentially like the premier agency really in the uk like in in, in the department of, of of like d2c d2c marketing agencies i think you could very much make that claim but i'd, I'd, I'd definitely like to touch on like more like the later stuff with stories you have gone into the, to the backstory a bit more but there's one thing that i've actually always wanted to ask you even with how long we've known one another which is that you had touched on i think the first time you've been on the midnight podcast of you yourself and joe had this like you were like growing decently, but then you had this almost like massive inflection point in 2021 as a year where like you were, you're growing fairly steadily up until that point. And it's yeah. almost like something clicked. And I actually didn't get to hear you uh, like discuss almost what that growth path, path was like. Cause you know, I think the, the numbers you shared, you'd like six X basically the whole, like your, your monthly run rate in the course of, in the course of a year, roughly. Yeah. 
But I've have always wanted to ask you: Did uh, was that you just in absolute nightmare mode? Was that like you almost, you know, like coming coming through a break, like kind of breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough? Like what went on, you know, within the company in twenty twenty one that allowed you to go from kind of a bedroom outfit to being, like we were saying, like premier, like very much you can make the claim premier agency in the UK for for what you guys do, like in a very short space of time. It's a good question. I'd not really reflected on much of that before, to be honest. Uh, not in depth. I guess it's good to probably should do it more. Um, I think it's a combination of factors. Like, yeah, we grew ridiculously aggressively through 2021. I think one is timing. I think timing was a factor. COVID, market shifts, uh, so, so many, so many like macro trends that we were fortunate to be like. Um, or like involved in involved in those movements, um, so that's de- definitely one factor. In terms of like personal actions to deliver those outcomes, I think one element coming into starting the business was my background being involved in e-com ventures previously, which I think really helped sort of speak the language of the people we were going after. Um, that experience. Um, and knowing like the language, knowing the tactics and being able to execute at a pretty high level coming into it, I think allowed us to, to, to probably um, just just close more business than if, if that wasn't the case and allowed us to do it much quicker. Um, and then, yeah, like relentlessly executing against like short-term goals, I think was the other thing. Like we were very intentional around setting like short-term aggressive goals very like impatient in the micro, patient in the macro, like focus on what you can control, hitting daily, weekly numbers and letting the other things take care of itself um, it, it, through that period. Um, and then taking it again up probably a level beyond that is is just getting some of the right people in the right seats, early doors. And again, there's a little bit of luck involved in that, I think. Um, some people we knew previously, other people we were very fortunate to st- stumble upon at the start of their career, and they're still with us now. So probably a combination of those four factors um, really unlocked mm. what I'd consider like not exponential, but very very rapid compounding growth for the business. Hundred percent. I think even something I'd maybe maybe I'd chat to Joe about this as well. Like in the beginning, you guys hadn't actually like massively divided out the roles necessarily. Where like you kind of like it kind of became more apparent that Joe would be more like, yeah, more front facing, like more, I guess, CMO or COO, and you'd be kind of more a COO, COO. But it was kind of, I, I wondered at that time, was that when you kind of divided out the roles and you were like, right, Joe is going to handle like more so sales and I'll kind of handle everything <laughs> yeah. post onboarding? Uh, yeah, uh, I was, I was, was, at one point, I was managing 18 different ad accounts for businesses, which is just like daft and like definitely not something I'd advise doing. Um, Oh, to a high standard, actually, I just want to say we didn't churn any of those. Um, but like, yeah, like natural strengths, like I, I, starting the business, like I was a pretty like quiet, shy individual. Like, I'd find cold calling someone incredibly hard. Um, I think now I, I, I've, in a way, building the business has made me a very confident individual. But like, if I act back to looking at like 2019, when we started this, getting an e-commerce or yeah, any any business owner, whether it's like a, person selling fucking fireplaces down the road, which was one of our early clients. So if it was a, regardless of who it was, like I'd find that really intimidating where Joe came from a background of doing that day in, day out. He was doing a lot of um, work in, in, in uh, his, his previous role before we started the, 
the agency was was focused on like calling um decision makers speaking to business execs etc um so there was a bit of a natural skill set alignment there with me having a bit, bit of a background in e-com and him having a bit of a background in that so yeah i think that's a, that was another big factor that's why i'm a big advocate of co-founders for agencies because i think there is a very natural in like split like you can sort of divide that down the middle from a biz dev versus fulfillment perspective in a way that take it to an e-commerce brand side you can do it but it's a little bit less it's a little bit more like convoluted like all things kind of speak, need to speak to each other and obviously they need to speak to each other in an agency but probably not to the same level as maybe an e-com business as long as you've got that passover kind of dialed in so yeah i'd say that was a big big thing as well yeah man i think about this a lot because I actually don't even think I'd enjoy doing the agency without a co-founder or well, at least not without Connor. Like I think like you're saying there, like there's like a natural, there's a, there's a point of actual luck as well there in terms of finding someone where like your skill sets align and yeah. you're, you're kind of a good match for another in that respect. But obviously we have examples of people that we know who are very good solo founders in that. But I mean, yeah, I mean for you, like going up, going up, up the way along, you know, I definitely found it kind of help with confidence as well. Like, you know, you have a, you have a co-founder, you have someone to bounce ideas off and because the split's so natural, but yeah, I mean like for you, even like, cause you, you went on to, to, to start for you, you actually started with more business partners. So like you're, you're very, it's definitely like very, very pro co-founder in that way as, as I would be, but like, what would, do you think there, there are any kind of, when you see, let's say solo agency founders, do you think yeah. there are any differences in the business where they maybe have to hand things off a bit earlier and it can have maybe some adverse effects in a sense? Um, I think it depends on the individual you are. I think there are some really good solo founders. Um, I think as a solo founder, you have to get one or two core individuals around you. From an and that that would have to come from an employee perspective. I'd assume if it's not going to come from a business partner perspective or an external consultant but i think if you're starting a service-based business from scratch and trying to grow it aggressively and quickly the the, the idea that you can do everything well is i think is 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 not this is false um you need to bring it rely i think if you're a solo founder it relies on yeah getting a couple of c-suite or seriously high level talented individuals into the business early to allow you to specialize in in where you are best i think if i think through our mutual connections they've mostly done that um they've got like one or two like right hand whether it's a coo or cmo or xyz role most of them have that and i tend to and i know a lot more agency owners who are co-founders than um than solo founders i think i mean I'm thinking even like on a brand like there, cause it's so, it's so easy to see the distinction within an agency. But when you think of it yeah. with a brand, you're like, how would you divide that? I feel like every depart, every partnership there would be completely different. Like I, I don't think yeah, one yeah. person is, is necessarily just making sure creatives are really dialed, make sure like, like media buying is really on point. Like just the creatively and performance marketing wise that they're really good. And then the other is doing all the operations because there's so many different parts yeah. of the operations of a brand you couldn't i don't think you'd necessarily just be the coo by yourself i think there'd be like a coo and then a kind of a sub coo nearly in a sense yeah and there's different levels of operations you've got like marketing operations you've got actual operations products logistics etc 
Um, it's a lot more like, so I guess agency is a little bit simpler in that in that sense. Um, simpler in in one way and more complex in others. Um, but yeah, I think these are a little bit little bit more difficult to split them off. Um, for Jack, like me and Connor split it. I just handle all of the marketing. And just to make sure he he deals with all the other problems, um, which keeps things simple for us. But uh, yeah, I think it, it will differ. Like even if I think through our clients who are co-founders, some of them, uh, some of the businesses like a setup where everybody, every both founders are involved in every decision. Others might have lanes that they operate in. I think it's very different. Like you say, very very unique to each each business. Hundred percent, yeah. But I think definitely, yeah, like we're saying, agency a bit more, a bit, bit easier to kind of define. So, with you then, kind of in sore, like as you've grown, so like both of us would have started very much sort of like bedroom style agency, right? Like in like the in the beginning, like you're like it's almost in a sense kind of like take what you can get client wise, and like the the very early on stages and that and that kind of thing. But how did you like? Right. So I, I, I was thinking about this a lot last year. So I was thinking about this concept of like high impact, low likelihood objectives. I don't know if I was talking to you about this before, but it's basically where you move on from having a task list to kind of moving on to more so working on projects and objectives. Yeah. And like, it's almost this mentality shift that I, that I had that I really fucked up actually, like around the middle of last year where I didn't realize that my role had sort of changed. So like I used to kind of identify with myself as like how much work I could get done on any given day. And it was like, you know I, how much of a workhorse can i be like i can just power this all on myself like i can produce this much yeah. content i can i can take this many calls all the rest of it and then you kind of start to realize after a while it's about kind of getting a bit more smart with what you're doing with taking on the right kind of clients with hiring the right kind of people and it's not necessarily about your output on a given day it's more about your judgment and then i kind of we grown to a point where you know i was very much out of delivery so then i was like oh, fuck like what am i what am i doing here like this is you know felt a bit it felt a bit unusual to me because it was, my role had completely changed and it took me far too long to catch on that that was actually how it was meant to be and it was like yeah. instead you're kind of moving on to something like sales which is high impact but low likelihood of succeeding hiring high impact but low likelihood of finding the exact right person in that time you're gonna have to do many interviews and go around through a long process mm-hmm. and so it's a far less dopamine sustaining way of living your life so then you're kind of like oh fuck what am i doing here because you're you're just working on things that have a very low likelihood of succeeding so you don't get that sense of completion from completing a task list. Um, so that was something I've, I've been thinking a lot about actually the last few months of like not catching on to that quick enough. But for how quick you you grew in a sense, I feel like, I mean, you, you're you're quite a workhorse, of course, but it's like, I feel like you maybe caught on to that a bit, like maybe not, but I mean, like, I, I guess it's more like how, how like roles can change nearly in a, in, as, yeah. as it kind of grows with an agency. Yeah, I think there's two different things there. I think there's like growth rate and scaling a business, and like not. I think there's like a there needs to be a real realization that like not every task is built equal. Um, not every lever is the same size, and like a lot of growing. I think a lot of growing a business, but growing an agency and growing an ecom brand specifically, like is about focusing on pulling the right levers and focusing resource around the right areas at the right time. Um, and, and, and doing that consistently is, is a lot of the time is like what separates like good from great, I think. 
Um, like I, I always peddle the idea of like do less better, like focus on growth is a process in every business. So it's like, and and the solution to growing faster is not like complex, making that process more complex. A lot of the time it's doubling down on where you're getting momentum. So like in an e-commerce brand, if you're starting to get momentum through like a Facebook ads or a meta ads, just because that started to work doesn't mean you should go and do another three marketing routes. You should just double down on what's working until it becomes challenging to do so. Um, so I think that's one part of that process. The second part is like, as you grow a business, realizing, yeah, like how your role within the organization changes, like it does move to more project work. Once you get to a certain size, it moves more towards like coaching people to be better. Like ultimately the, the higher up an organization you go get, like the less decisions you probably make on a monthly basis, but the higher the impacts of those decisions, I'd say. Um, and a lot of them will be like, oh, do we allocate resource to X, Y, Z, marketing tactic, department? Do we do this initiative or do we not? Um, whereas like when you're very like executional, it can be something as like, more way more trivial um i think on a daily basis i think like appreciating that and being like cognizant that that's going to happen as you go and you grow as a company is important um and like you say not just chasing busyness um at the expense of impact 100 percent. yeah i mean it got to that like there's a point in september where i took on a couple of people who were like absolutely the wrong clients not to send them yeah. packing like fairly fairly soon that was chasing busyness like absolutely it was like yeah i wonder do you know but like that's a really bad decision like the cost of a bad client is really fucking high yeah really high it's just folks yeah folks so, it's just easier to it's high it's high in the sense of so many areas as well like sucking resource away from other other better clients to work with making your team less fulfilled if it's a bad fit and difficult to provide for all sorts of reasons. Hundred percent. How would you say that would like for you from going from like media buying on bloody eighteen accounts? Like definitely, like you're you're moving up like the like there. That would be yeah. I wouldn't say you'd be feeling too fulfilled there. That seems like actually a pretty miserable way to live long term. Yeah. Um, Chaos. Like for you, how did, what did like what you were working on change as you scale from let's say going from like for, from just yourself, Joe, and and then later Matt, to then going to having you know five to ten um, you know team members and having 10 to 15 and then getting up now to like 20 and now up to 30 like did you find like were there different levels where you found okay like now my role in the business is like fundamentally changed like at, mm. at various points like it was, was it almost like going up onto a shelf kind of a thing and then going up onto the the next shelf after a kind of period of time almost yeah i guess firstly it was, yeah started with just execution and then like you kind of hire yourself out of that role and then it becomes like, and then it was a big focus probably for a year and a half to, on just operations um, and building operations and processes with Matt or before Matt joined um, and then hiring, building different departments, different offers. Um, but now like most of my role is strategic um, from a decision-making perspective, like allocation of resource from like a, management of team um from like uh, allocation of capital i guess as well if you're going to require like acquiring a business etc things like that um 
and delegation down. Like I think that's the thing. I, I, and then I still get involved in like some client strategy because I enjoy it. Like that's where I think that's the difficult probably the point at which I've got with source specifically as a business is like we're so we've got such a strong C-suite and organizational structure and team that like um I am so top level from a strategy perspective for growing that business but what I actually can where I can add quite a lot of value is like actually in the weeds of e-com brands because of what I do with Jack so I still do support a lot of the businesses we work with there which is probably not what a lot of other people at that stage would do but it's just where I enjoy working I mean you've put a lot of emphasis on that always since the beginning as well but sort of where like obviously you guys run ads you run email and and like a couple of different services but you're always very much on like e-com consultancy that was always something yeah. that seems like you've like had something you've always wanted to push so like so even there do you feel it's almost just kind of in the in the identity of the company to an extent where like nearly the like the founder can't help himself with certain brands where he just kind of wants to wants to get involved a, a wee bit more there yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the, the, what's what separate, separated us from the market over the last like 12 months, I think, and why we've grown so fast. Like, we've like 3x revenue in 12 months nearly when you bring it all together. Um, and we're growing probably fast. We've grown in January so far faster than we probably have, ever have last year in, in, in MRR gains terms. Um, and we had the lowest churn rate we've ever had in Q4 last year. So it's like all of those things give me a bit of a signal that we're doing something right um and it's been like a, a an intention to yeah grow like a business that yeah we enter by providing service but we make ourselves indispensable by going like above and beyond in what we do and um i think that's an evolving i think that as this the, the, the e-com space evolves has, has evolved a lot over the last 18 months to um become more specialist i think in terms of like you need to be you need to have like a higher proficiency to really add value to clients and i think um the create that, that idea of like cream rising to the top i think there's other people in the industry feeling the same that maybe it's it's a lot harder to now probably start an agency and scale it than it was maybe two three years ago um so yeah that's been a big focus for us it's just like becoming like we call it our outsource cmo mentality like adding as much value to the people we work with as possible beyond our just initial scope so you're saying that for you like uh, let's say adding adding uh, you're, you're saying so there's like the shift towards like specialization almost in a sense but then also like for you guys like i suppose like how does that play out in terms of with you doing let's say multiple things for people and i think particularly on like running media buying and creative i know like creative is more for you but it's kind of under the same umbrella with what you guys do i think that's obviously just such that's really like the lifeblood of, of an e-com business at least in the marketing side is like their like quality of their assets and their media buying in many respects yeah um but on that specificity because you do multiple things do you mean specificity in terms of like people going very deep on one service or do you think or do you mean specificity on people going very deep on consultancy for for brands like how you know how has that evolved in the e-com industry how would you forecast that to, to continue to evolve uh i think it's changed a lot in the last 24 months around everything from availability of funding changing what makes what changing the goalposts for many e-com brands changing it to being like 
profitable, um, sustainable, profitable growth, um, making like the intersection between like finance and marketing more important than ever. Um, making sure that, that gone are the days of just raising loads of VC money and just spending into the abyss and just not really caring. So I think there's a big, um, not, not, not caring, but like having that freedom to do so. Um, so there's been a big shift there. I think like acquisition strategy content that used to just be able to be like laser, laser targeting Facebook ads. Now it's a lot more around like messaging, positioning, pain points, objections, content, landing page, media buying, all in one big process. Ultimately, growth is a process and like um, it's something, it's a process that you can apply um, in the main, main part to, to multiple businesses. Um, it's just having the expertise and the abil- ability to do that. Um, so I think it's become more specialist and a little bit harder to do to do in that regard. Um, but we've just gone deeper on it, like 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 covering all of the things I've just mentioned and get, becoming specialists in all areas so we can advise people across across everything on how to like achieve that that growth. And there, like when when I was chatting to Connor, he was saying that in this year, like this year now that now that we're in twenty twenty four, end of twenty twenty three, when we chatted that like we'll kind of see that more so come to fruition of funding fully drying up for people almost or at least feeling that way so i mean would you see 2024 being quite a difficult year for 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 e-commerce brands like even compared to 2023 uh yeah i think it's difficult to predict like macroeconomics and impacts but yeah like i think like Ultimately, that's that's has that headwind has such a massive impact. But and I think twenty twenty four, we're going to see that for a be- decent part of twenty twenty four. I, I th- maybe it'll right sort sort of start to correct itself towards the end of the year. Um, but yeah, I think like I don't think we'll. I think we've had the the kind of days of massive VC money in e commerce. I could be wrong, and people that may come back in a couple of years, but. If you look at like some of the businesses that have gone under over the last twelve to eighteen months, like Thrasio that were built, that raised shitloads of money, rolled up loads of Amazon companies, and went bust after being valued at a billion dollars. Um, multiple brands that IPO'd now being worth peanuts or like relative peanuts to when they when they floated on the stock exchange. Um, loads of horror stories of brands that raised money at stupid valuations and then have then been sold off. I just think those days have gone. Um, they may, as I say, they may come back, but I also think revenue-based financing, which was a massive thing over the last 18 months, is a model that's going to be a lot more challenging and not as available. Um, I don't know about you, but I've not seen Wayflyer touted about by all the Twitter influencers recently or any of the other ones that yeah. they were shelling pretty heavily through the last middle of last year, early last year. Uh, so I think that's changed quite a lot as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was like a yeah. The, you can kind of it's funny, like you kind of tell like a lot of that, like I suppose, like on the grapevine from Twitter, from like what's happening there. Just like you knew crypto had gone wallop when all the playboys went went monk mode. You know what I mean? It's just like all the international playboys now monk mode. I'd say crypto's crypto's really fucking dead at the at that point. Obviously, now it's coming yeah. back. You know, so if anyone wants to get into the Solana trenches, now would be now would be the time to do so. But <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> they're. I, mean, I suppose they're they're like on the brand side. Do you know? 
so you you've had the you had the progression of you actually first began with a brand which apparently was some pretty sick clobber by all respects you know matt was saying that the you know the dusk was it was some it was said you were, on, you were onto some stuff um, yeah yeah it was good gear yeah it was good at the time what was what was the crack with that because i was i'm just gonna ask about jack but how like that, that was your first taste in e-commerce you actually started a brand you you scaled that didn't you and to a decent level and then and doing mid six actually, figures and, it was doing like six figures a month yeah i can't remember the exact numbers it was so long ago i was like eight, really it was 18 i think at the time it was doing like 100 to 200k <laughs> a month selling like basically just drop shipping sherpa jackets and jeans um, and then we tried to move it private labeling into the UK and got the freight costs and completely wrong. And we were just idiots at the time. Got on, got offices we didn't need. Just like, yeah, just stupid decision making, really. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was a good experience. Um, learned a lot from it. And um, she's good. would you say even like, would you say even there though, like having the brand at the beginning, and that was even like what got you to maybe put that emphasis on consultancy nearly right from you know from early early enough doors with sore like with brands where you, you you actually had experience running one partly that but then also partly i just a big believer in like how do you like ltv builds businesses like ltv builds agencies not not new clients and like the best way to protect ltv is to just over deliver just over deliver for people beyond their expectations um and that's how i think we win we win so much business and we have such a low churn rate because people we give people a very, very good experience for how much they pay. And we probably could charge people more than we do for what we offer, but we get stickiness of people staying with us for three, two, three years, um, which makes it a lot less stressful and a lot like higher profit and faster growth rate because it doesn't require you to like chase more sales to beat high churn rate. Completely agreed. Best way of doing it, mate. Um, yeah, so big focus. So, with the the brand side, I know the you becoming CMO of Jack came about in a funny enough way. At least the initial meeting. Um, like, how did the like how did that side of things kind of kind of come about from from the beginning to how it to how it developed to how you ultimately are kind of CMO of the group? Yeah, I met Connor in a Weatherspoons in Manchester Airport on the way to a on the way to such an English such English crack over a cold bottle of Heineken um, in Manchester Airport. I, t- I think I tweeted at anyone going to geek out Dubai. He replied to me, DM'd me, saying he was, and it turned out it was on the same flight. But he was in like first class, and we were in economy, so missed <laughs> levels <laughs> at the time. Um, and then off the back of that, just spent the spent that time, that period with him in, in Dubai. It was good fun. And then um, we ended up working with him on like a content package through the agency. And then from there, just started talking to Connor loads. And then from, over time, he asked me to do it. He asked me he asked me if I wanted to kind of come on and support as CMO for the business. Uh, originally said no and then I asked him uh if he still wanted me to do it and told him how much I wanted to do how much I'd charged to do it and then we just agreed and there we go and then I joined like oh uh, about a year and a bit ago now a year and a half ago I think joined in 
um, and just took over gradually over a period of time, just phased out him out the market and just took it all over. Yeah, mate, he was telling me that even up until like very late on revenue as the brand, he was spending like nearly 90% of his day on media buying. I was like, what the fuck, man? Um, <laughs> yeah. Pretty, that, that is trench anybody. work. I didn't trust anyone to take over. So then I convinced him to take it over and then we then just phased him. We we were we still run the media buying through Saw, but um I started there and then just gradually took over more and more of, of that side. Now we're on the whole marketing department. We've got like six we've got seven internal staff, but we'll probably have about ten by the end of this quarter. Just on marketing function. But that obviously covers four brands, so not just have um it's probably not enough people either. <laughs> And then, so what did you, like in the beginning, I'm sure, was there an element of, like for you to onboard into that, I'm sure there's an element of like drinking from the fire hose because you're kind of, you're, inherit, you're inheriting like this whole, this whole business, this whole like marketing department. Um, and there's a lot more to manage where now as well, even though you're, you get like very hands-on with a lot of the brands you work with through SOAR, there's still probably even, even more hands-on element there. So yeah, way Beginning more phase. Way more hands-on. Yeah. It's, so, uh, what was that like in the beginning? It, it was it was a really good business to join. There's many reasons why I did it, and one of them is because I think it was a once uh, like it's, it was one of the best. It was one of the best e-commerce setups I'd seen from a from everything from a net gross margin perspective through to efficiency on channels, um, which makes it easy to take over because there's a lot of opportunity to just there's a lot of just good foundations to come into. Um, the team that we have now, I've hired from start to so everybody that we, that works in the market department now, I've brought on since joining. So I've been involved in that growth, growing the organisation process. Um, but like when I came, when I, not not to like like to be transparent, came on and just did just scale the fuck out of Facebook ads and sent more emails. It's like basically that's that was the first six months. <laughs> I just made more content, scaled paid and just made and just sent better emails and like re-optimized the email flows. Um and that's that that's again like practice what you preach. Like I've spent so much time speaking to clients about doing less better and just doing one or two channels really well can get you to like that took us to double digit million months like not double digit million sorry um single digit million months double in in that in seven figures a month like within uh within well yeah multiple seven figures a month within six months like just by doing that and then we laid in tiktok that was a big win really scaled really scaled tiktok aggressively through last year um but yeah, just not overcomplicating it. Now it's becoming a like doing. We did a hundred and something percent growth last year. Like doing that again this year is a completely different beast. Like a way more challenging proposition, and um, that requires like a lot more work streams. But from it was it was it was less complex than you'd probably think coming into it because of where it was in its growth path and and how like linear that next phase looked. Mm. yeah it is it is funny there where you do see brands who do nearly take that to the nth degree i would say in a sense where they do they are just like one channel and like you would see um like the like the kill crew lads are definitely like facebook maximalists just like facebook yeah. few emails and that's that's literally them but i i don't know of course like that that then changes later on but it's kind of like 
it's the same thing you can do with an agency where like you can just diversify into like like there, there can be something that's working for you to for you to book meetings that just that just works but you wind up convincing yourself that all of this stuff is more complicated than it than it is yeah. in a sense and don't get me wrong it is it is complex but it's like you want you just feel this draw to like add complexity to it and almost like diversify too early on when you have something that is working and can really work well at the level that it's at and like it's definitely not at its sort of saturation point where it starts to get really difficult to make incremental gains yeah yeah i think that's true and that's that's true in pretty much every business i imagine like when you get to sort of like google's size like you can obviously allocate a very small amount of your total resource to testing something new so it's like worth doing that um when you're like quite a small business and you're like you've got maybe five to ten people not very much runway if everything was to go to shit where you spend your time and your money is really important i think like um keeping it simple from that perspective and just do do doing more of what is working like doubling down on what is working is is usually the best option i think there's a really good example of this is a grant cardone consultancy call he does with alex homosi i think homosi paid 250 grand for it and just slapped it on he smacked it on youtube and just like gave everybody the recording away but basically all he says in that call is like he's asking him how to get more out of what he's doing and grant is literally like you're not posting enough content. Just post ten times more content, and he did it. And, it. and I think Alex does like a reflection on it afterwards, and it like tripled his business just by ten x in what he was doing through the same channels. Um, and I think that's the same with agencies. Like we don't do outbound marketing. You, you guys do. We only do paid ads and and content, and like. We've done that well this year. Our big focus for twenty up until now, we've done that really well. Our focus for twenty twenty four is make more content, spend more on ads, um, and like we're already making that. That's those are currently the two channels. It's like how do we double the amount of content output through my and Joe's channels, through YouTube, through stuff like this. And then how do we triple Facebook ad budget behind that? And just everything will probably work if we do that well enough rather than trying to do like 15 other things. 100%. Yeah, I think in terms of what works well, also there almost is a narrow amount of things that do actually work. Yeah. Do you know, like outbound emailing works, like content works, ads work, you know, but lot of other ancillary things you can do like they're just not going to be they're, they're not going to be like the core thing that like actually drives your business on to you know to to see real success i wouldn't say like if you're you know like what would be like example like let's say like trying to do like a, a community funnel or something like that it's just not really going to work or, or or whatever it is like that that's it, it's it, it just isn't in that like overton window of like this definitely works and it works really well um, yeah, I think like community for a brand is good, and is good. Like, there's a few brands that are good examples of where they've used that as a pretty big marketing drive. Like Pure Sport, being what being the one that I always think of, they're really cr- crushing that. Represent another one, but I think if you if you if you pull their attribution report, probably seventy percent of the customers still come from Meta. Like, just yeah, that's the and. That's why I think, like, if you look at uh, pretty much every single brand we work with, eighty percent of their customers come from Meta ads. It's like the idea that you can just, if you're looking to spend 
more and more of your budget away from that platform it's probably a sign that you're not doing like you, that platform is still going to be your biggest driver like you should still be trying to grow it consistently month on month um and it's like that focus on really getting that to where it to, to as great a scale and efficiency as possible should be the focus for most people rather than trying to do five different growth avenues at once and so unlike the brand side so you had a you had like this path for growth to 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 get to a certain level um like when you come on board as cmo but then like you're saying going 100 percent growth again would be a completely different beast do you have any sort of map in your mind of what you would need to 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 do in order to to exact let's say that amount of growth is that would that even be the plan i'm not sure but let's say it were the plan to 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 do 100 percent ish growth again is it as simple as work as like make make more creative make spend more ads, ads spend more, more emails or uh no <laughs> i think it becomes more complex like if we did that we'd be nearing nine figures as a brand like it would be a lot of growth like that's really hard and if you look at most like big big businesses like lululemon i think is the famous one if you look at the graph it's like they stacked like 15 percent growth year on year for 25 years but when you compound that for that period of time it puts you at like a billion plus dollar valuation it's rare that you'll find like it's, you're not the ability to just 100 percent grow year on year is probably not 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 realistic either um I do still think, however, like ultimately, like it comes down to spending more on ads, making more content. We probably just need to do it across a few more mediums. Like when you get to a certain level of scale for e-com brands, like I, I think, you, well, your meta ads become more middle of funnel. Like we're spending hundreds of thousands a month on meta, um, mid 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 six, mid to high six figures a month um on meta ads uh we we find this point of diminishing returns with those but then when you start to activate other channels whether it's tiktok whether it's out of home whether it's tv influencer seeding it then allows you to spend more on meta that main channel driver that main revenue driver so there's a bit more holistic strategy into this year but when you look back at our finances we still will spend 80 percent of our ad spend on one channel it'll be meta um so it's still there's still an element of wanting to still need to spend more money there um so yeah there's a, there's a i've got a bit of a roadmap well i know I, I think we know what we need to do but it's it is a bit it's a lot harder to to keep that growth rate up you, you touched on tiktok as well like how does that you know that i think does, would that work really well for every brand or like do you have you seen varying results with tiktok like remember tiktok ads when they first came out everyone's like oh this is gonna be like new facebook ads like new gold yeah. rush like that and kind of didn't necessarily pan out that way um how is how does that help for do you think it's more like diversification play for like bigger brands or can it be a really good kind of route one channel it's it's a good channel like we uh, and i think my our approach for most brands is like do meta first and then layer tiktok on top of it um but that can be i think that's not true for everybody if you're like a lower aov beauty brand or if you're a brand that really suits tiktok as a channel it, it is a massive opportunity to capitalize on it's less it's lower cpm it's le- it's less competitive it works really well for visual products for viral products so like if if you're in that and you can like find 
like product platform fit, I guess you'd call it, with TikTok, then it's it's really it'll be a goldmine for you. Um, where we use it is like we 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 got to us we got performance on Meta to a certain level, and then we like layered TikTok on top of it. It's more of like a, it's a closer. Well, we we put it in between like Meta and YouTube. It's more of an awareness channel. It's a little bit more upper funnel. More of the attribution comes through views, not clicks. Um, you need to model your impression attribution in to really get results with something like a phosphor. Um, it's it, but we're, for for the essence vault, like we spend about half of what we spend a day on Meta on TikTok. The percentage of net new visitors per day is higher from TikTok than it is Meta. It's really good at unlocking net new audience. CAC is actually lower on TikTok than it is on Meta, but the volume of customers isn't as high. So it's like we can't spend the same and get the same volume of new customers, but the efficiency on those new customers is better. So it's a a real channel that can drive growth, but we are in an AOV category that works for it. If you're you're a high AOV, like you're not going to get mad mad attributed ROAS off TikTok. It's stupid to think that, but I still think it can fit into a marketing strategy. It's just about what you expect from it and what you want from it as a channel and benchmark it differently. So primarily, like you're saying, like more visual visual brands, lower AOV would be the two main almost factors that would make it kind of a viable channel in a sense? Yeah, I would say so. And then if you're a bigger, if you're like a higher AOV like brand, then I think it's just expecting going into it and being like, it can generate returns, but I'm not going to benchmark it on the same expectations as other channels. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I suppose then, like, how do you? I've I've asked you this a few times before, but like, you know, privately, but like, how do you manage, you know, everything? Like, in terms of in terms of your time, because you've got you've got sore, obviously, obviously now, like you're saying, more strategic role, but you're still involved with with uh, with a, a number of clients there for you as well, and content. I think as a service, like just with like the moving parts that go into it, it's definitely an operationally complex kind of model. And you have yeah. a rogue factor, which are creators that <laughs> yeah. um, you have to be dealing with. Um, and then obviously you have being CMO for a brand group, like not even just one brand, but like four. And you know, then you have Connor to deal with into the bargain. You know, it's just kind of a lot of a lot, a lot of stuff there. Like, how, how do you how do you manage everything? Uh, like across, across the board, even time wise. Uh, batching calls to certain days, keeping days like themed by business um running everything through my calendar uh, but more important is having like really good people like i could vanish off the face of the earth tomorrow and saw would still grow because we've got a really good team um in the in the business like matt jamie sam jacob like uh, our coo uh, well matt's gonna be md soon md cmo coo head of retention like these people that allow me to just do what i need to do and they own their domain like better than i could um that's the true unlock that allows me to do other things same with for you is like having lucas liam joe in their areas of the business takes a lot of like pressure and and time off myself Uh, and then the same with jack is like having the right people in the right seats like it's just that that that's the key really um i could probably spend more of my time on jack than the other businesses at this stage 
but it's only because the other ones are set up in a way that allows me to do that. And that's why I think at scale, like management and coaching becomes so key, like your job. The highest leverage thing you can do is make the people below you or like, like the people in the business better and facilitate them to do their best work. Yeah. I think I, did, I think you'd said to me nearly like a good while ago. What was it like? The right people and you you were those three things. The right people, the right seats, with the right processes. Was that was that your adage? I've said that before, I think. Something <laughs> and that then just leave them alone. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> leave them alone. Beautiful, beautiful. So, so what's the plan with everything for 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 twenty twenty four? Like, with how you'll you'll you go with focus. So, like, you've had massive jump in MRR with Soar in. Uh, pretty short space of time so then you've like you've, you've got a lot of growth going on there your churn rate is extremely low you have you have obviously the brands are scaling as well so where is focus going to go this year any any goals that you have on on that front what are you what are you thinking for the year 2024 what's ahead we were quite we're just about to finalize acquiring a content agency i can't i don't think we've announced that anywhere i can't yet the name of it but that's we, we've acquired a business to do content in saw we're then gonna pull in the landing page piece so that we do the full thing um so our focus there is just continuing to make our service better and be very cognizant of like if you were the cmo of a big business what would you want from your agency and just building a service like that like excellence make it i call it it's our product really isn't it like look at i try and get people internally in the mindset of looking at is it i can always forget is it brian chesky from airbnb and how much he how solid he is as like a product founder it's like we need to do that with our service because our service is our products like keep on top of that as a as a foremost thing but then yeah it's so a lot of growth for saw is, is going to just come from from that i think continuing to control what we can control we want to penetrate the u.s market we're incredibly uk focused in terms of revenue right now which is unusual, I think, for the size of business we are. I think most would probably be more towards like 50-50 split. I think we're like 80-20 UK. Um, so trying to penetrate the US market at scale. Um, and then other revenue streams, like I think we're going to probably bring some sort of software piece, a few other ideas we have um, to, to just continue to grow like the enterprise value of the company as a whole. But um but yeah, loads of opportunity there. I think is there's we're on a good path to saw, hopefully. Um and then Jack Group is trying to build like a profit first hook group where we grow profitable brands instead of just burning money. Um so just try and get like all the brands we've got in the pipeline now profitable and above like hundred K a month in revenue. I think is very doable for this year. Um hopefully we'll do that sooner rather than later, but to do that it just requires like people and process process like excellence um so just working through that piece yeah sick mate sick where would you direct people to find kind of what you're what you're up to these days uh probably unfortunately because i hate the place but linkedin like <laughs> i used to be a twitter maxi but i just don't use it enough anymore that's another, that's my personal goal is start putting out more twitter content this year 
Um, LinkedIn, uh, probably Ollie Hudson on LinkedIn or, or Twitter is Oliver W Hudson is my account name. So probably either either of those places. Um, if you if, if you want to chat and reach out, if you want some help with any anything ecom related, I'll bounce some ideas and send me a message. Hundred percent, Ollie. Thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. Appreciate uh, appreciate yeah. having you on. Thank you for the invite.